follow. It is such a simple word, but it really carries with it a lot of meaning. I think sometimes we hear the word so often and we don't really take the time to think about all the nuances and the aspects of of what that word means and the definition of it. So I'd like to take a few moments this morning and do that. So first of all, the obvious, it means to accompany, to go along with, or to move behind. It also means to come after in sequence of time or order. It means to be in accordance with, uh, for example, to follow a way of life. It also means to pursue in an effort to attain. So we follow after knowledge or you follow after something that you want to gain in your life. Here's one that we don't often associate with the word follow, but it means to obey. Oh, that makes us all bristle, doesn't it? We we just don't like that word, obey. But really, that's what we're supposed to do if we're following something. We need to follow directions. If you're given something that you need to assemble and you don't know how to assemble it, you need to learn to follow the directions or obey the directions. It means to imitate. So, in other words, to follow the example of someone. Here's another nuance that I hadn't really thought about till I was studying this, but it means to watch steadily. Example in sports, of course, is to follow the flight of a ball, though there will be some of us probably watching the flight of a ball at some point today. There's some kind of an event going on where it will involve throwing a ball and catching it and running with it. So um, there will be some of you that will be following that. Um, But it could also mean like following the flight of a bird or just anything that you're wanting to, to pay attention to. To keep your mind on. In other words, like this morning, following a speech or a sermon. Hopefully you'll be able to follow this today. To attend closely to. To follow a team's progress. Or to understand the sense or logic of something. In other words, like following a line of thought. Are you following me? (laughs) Well, long before Twitter and Facebook and Instagram ever existed, Jesus called people to follow him. He was the real trendsetter. And he used the real social media, which was face-to-face interaction with people and heart-to-heart and spirit-to-spirit. And that's why his call to follow him was not only for people back then, but it's still for you and I today. And this is what I felt the Lord's Spirit impressing upon me to remind us all of. Because during the time when I wasn't feeling well, um, you know, sometimes some days I didn't just feel like doing anything. I just slept. Um, But I, I thought a lot as I was able to. And I started thinking about this. And even after all these years... I I thought, Lord, am am I really following you the way that you want me to? I mean, you know, I'm maybe following you the way I want to follow you, but am I really following you the way that you want me to? Because, you know, all of us 
if we say we follow Jesus, we, we understand maybe what following Jesus means to us, but what does it mean to Jesus? What does he mean when he says, follow me? It really is an invitation for us to enter into that lifelong relationship with him, and it's an invitation for us to remain teachable and shapeable and flexible, um, to be progressive. And when I use that term, it's not in a threatening way. It's just to be able to continue to grow and, and to stretch and to expand, to grow spiritually. So just that one word, follow, and then added to that another word, which is important, of what we're supposed to follow and who we're supposed to follow with two words, follow me. Jesus changed the lives of countless hundreds and thousands and millions of people. And I know with those two words that his spirit spoke in my spirit years ago, it's, it's changed my life. And hopefully it will continue to change my life and shape me. Just think about it. These are some familiar passages maybe for those of you that have grown up in church or maybe heard some sermons before. But in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 19, it says this, And Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee and saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And then he said to them, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. In John chapter 1, verse 43, his words are recorded, the following day Jesus wanted to go to Galilee and he found Philip and said to him, follow me. Matthew 9, 9, as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office and he said to him, follow me. And so he arose and followed him. Just those two words in that phrase were compelling enough to cause people to be willing to leave whatever it was they had their focus on or their career on and to be able to follow after this person, to gain more knowledge about this person, to have their thoughts attentive to this person, to be willing to follow the directions or obey this person. And you see, the interesting thing is when Jesus called or invited each of these people to follow him, the only consistent thing he said to them was those two words, follow me. Like when he went to Matthew, who was a tax collector, and we know it's getting that time of year. How many of you have gotten the stuff in the mail already? You know, <laughs> your earnings statements and all those forms you got to take to the tax office to file our taxes for this year. Well, you know, there was a guy that worked for H&R Caesar <laughs> back in the day. Um, and so he was a tax collector, and just, Jesus didn't go up to him and say, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, because he would have been like, I'm a tax collector. What's that got to do with anything? So Jesus' calling to each person was appropriate for their setting. So when he went to the fishermen, he said to them, I'll make you fishers of men if you follow me. I think Jesus was wise when he didn't go to Matthew and say, follow me and I'll make you very taxing on people. I mean, that's probably not a good so but without being too silly here, the, the consistent message that he said to whomever it was with whatever their background, their culture, their setting, it was that consistent phrase, follow me. So what does that mean to Jesus? Because there are some general things that Jesus taught all of us about following him. There's some principles that we need to understand if we truly want to follow him in the way that he wants us to. And of course, the first one is you cannot follow Jesus and stay where you are. 
You cannot follow Jesus and dig your heels in and say, I'm going to continue to hold on to my cause. I don't care what the Bible says about it. I don't care what anybody else says. I'll follow you, Jesus, but I'm digging my heels in and I'm not changing in this. That's pride, that's being stubborn, and it's not having a heart that wants to follow. Jesus didn't say, I will follow you. Jesus said, you follow me. So number one, we have to make sure that we're willing to leave behind some things that we've been holding on to in order to fully embrace Jesus and follow him in the way that he wants, not just the way we want. Number one, following Jesus requires changing priorities in your life. That is the very first thing. We have to be willing to reprioritize things. In Matthew chapter 8, verses 19 through 22, it says this, Then a certain scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Notice here, this person was a scribe, which means they were a person who studied the law, the Jewish law, the scriptures, and they taught it. And this person came to Jesus, didn't wait for Jesus to invite him to follow him. He came to Jesus and said, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus, knowing this person's motivation and their heart, gave this response. Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Why would Jesus give that kind of an answer to somebody that wanted to follow him? because he knew this man's heart. Apparently, this scribe liked the fact that Jesus was a well-known teacher, gaining in popularity. A lot of people wanted to hear Jesus teaching. He was a scribe. He's like, hey, if I hook up with Jesus here and follow him and I learn from him, I can be a great teacher like him and I'll gain notoriety and it's going to be awesome. You see, he wanted to follow Jesus to get his motivations fulfilled rather than saying to Jesus, hey, can I follow you. He just says, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. And Jesus, knowing his heart, said, I don't think you really understand what you're asking for. Because following me is not going to be all fame and glory. It's like, I'm the one that created all this stuff. And the foxes I created and the birds that I created, they've all got homes. I've got no home to go through or to go to. You sure you want to follow me? So that's why Jesus was answering this way. And Jesus, in his love for us, in his honesty, he challenges our motivations for following him. In fact, it goes on and it's confirmed here because it says in the next verse, in verse 21 of Matthew chapter 8, then another of his disciples came to him. Did you catch that? This wasn't somebody that wasn't already a follower or a disciple, a student of Jesus. Another of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, follow me, and let the dead bury their own dead. Wow, (laughs) that's pretty harsh. That's pretty rude. Is Jesus heartless? Does he not care about family? Now, obviously, we know that he does. In fact, there are a couple of scriptures later on that we read in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul writes this to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. He writes and says, anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So how do we reconcile that with what Jesus told this guy to say, you know, follow me and just let the dead bury their own dead? In James chapter 1, verse 27 
The Apostle James writes, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. How do we reconcile this with what seemed to be an innocent request from this guy, this disciple of Jesus, to say, Lord, I'll follow you, but let me do it on my timetable. That's basically what he was saying. Lord, I'll follow you, but let me do it on my timetable because, you know, my dad's aging. This isn't, this isn't said, but it's implied here. You know, my dad's aging, and I better, I feel like I just need to hang around home, and I want to be there for him, and, and then when he dies, I want to make sure everything's taken care of for him. And then when I do that, when that's all done, then I'll follow you. And because Jesus knew this man's motivations were off, he had to give that shock value. And that's why he gave this response that seemed heartless, but it really wasn't at all. He wanted this person to understand, this so-called disciple, to see that his heart really wasn't fully following Jesus like he wanted to. Because maybe, just maybe, if his heart was right with Jesus, he would have trusted Jesus to know that his dad was going to be taken care of. Well, we'll move on. In Luke chapter 9, verse 61 and 62, it says this, And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell that are at my house. But Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Do you see the similarities in each one of these responses of these people? They were telling Jesus, I'll follow you, Lord, but let me do it on my time schedule. Let me do it when it's convenient for me. Let me do it when I don't have all these other pressing needs, and then I'll follow you, and I'll be the best follower ever. And Jesus knew that, and he called him on it. And so he was just in love being honest. And so the response to this person who just simply wanted to go back to their house, apparently, and kind of tell everybody bye and maybe get things in order, he's like, you know what? If you're going to follow me, you've got to trust me and you've got to keep your eyes on me and stop looking back all the time. Now, this analogy here was literally something that happened in the agricultural time back then, and it happens today as well. When you're plowing a field, especially back then when they were working with um, their oxen or whatever animal they used to pull the plow, the person that was holding on to the handles of that plow and the, the point of the plow that's digging into the soil, they had to make sure that they were keeping their eyes straight ahead so that those uh, furrows would be straight so that when they planted their crops, they would grow properly and could be easily um, picked and all of those things. And so Jesus used that agricultural analogy saying, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom. In other words, if, if you've got an animal that's pulling a plow and you're trying to plow that ground and you're constantly doing this, that line is going to be all over the place. It's going to be crooked. It's not going to accomplish what you really wanted it to. Today, he might have said something like this. Maybe, I don't know. He might have said, nobody getting in their vehicle and getting on the highway and staring at the rearview mirror is fit to have a driver's license, right? I mean, that's kind of, it's the same connotation. So again, he wasn't, you know, being all uppity and all that, well, you're not worthy of me if you look. He's just making a statement. You cannot keep looking back and follow something or someone. And so he was challenging this person to say, you need to make a decision right now if you're going to follow me or not. Because if you follow me, it's going to be on my terms, not your terms. The second thing that we see of what it means to follow Jesus according to Jesus is it requires personal sacrifice. We don't like to hear it, 
but it's the truth. If you really want to follow Jesus, you have to be willing to make personal sacrifice. He set the example for us because he made personal sacrifice for you and for me. When he left the glories of heaven and all of the comforts of heaven and he came into this world that he created that we messed up with our sin and our disobedience and our pride and our stubbornness and all of those things and he said, I love you enough that I'm going to come down there and I'm going to prove my love for you. I want you to be in relationship with me and so I'm making the first move. He came into this world and he took on flesh and blood and bone and he walked among us and he sacrificed his glory He sacrificed his comfort. He sacrificed his very life to demonstrate his love for you and I so that we might want to follow him, that we might know that he is worthy to trust and to follow. And so in Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 27, it says this, then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Everybody knew what the cross was. It was a form of suffering, death. And it was something that Jesus said that was kind of giving a a foreshadowing of what he was going to be doing for us and giving his life for us. And he was saying, if you're going to follow me, then you need to follow my example and be willing to give up, deny things in your own life that are not according to my will and what is best for you. And you're going to have to go through some suffering and discomfort, but it will be worth it. If you truly want to follow me, you've got to be willing to take up your cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. So again, Jesus is reminding us that yes, it's not going to be easy, it's going to be difficult, there's going to be suffering, but it will be worth it. Now brings us to the third thing of what it means to Jesus to follow him. Following Jesus requires proper recognition from us. How do I get that or what do I mean by that? Look at Matthew chapter 10 verses 37 through 39. Anyone... These are the words of Jesus. Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. Now, I don't know about you, but from the first time I ever read this passage, and even still as I have pondered over it, it kind of troubles me because I'm thinking to myself, how does one of the Ten Commandments, which says, honor your father and mother, and Jesus is God in the flesh, so Jesus is the one that said this, honor your father and mother, for it's the first commandment with a promise. You live a long life and inherit the land and all of those things. And then the same one that said that, honor your father and mother, says, anyone who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their kids, their children more than me is not worthy of me. Man, that sounds pretty heartless. 
But really, I believe what Jesus is teaching here is he is saying, you, if you're going to follow me, you've got to have proper recognition of who I am. Obviously, Jesus wants you to love your parents and to honor your parents. And he wants and expects us to love our children and to take care of our children and to help our children. But what he is saying here is when you love these things more than me, you, you're not giving me the proper recognition because I'm the one that gave life to your parents. I'm the one that gave life to your kids. I'm the one that gives you life. I'm the one that has given life to your loved ones and your friends and all of these things. And so if you're going to love those things more than me, who is the one who gave them to you, then you're missing the whole point. You see what I mean? Jesus wasn't being cruel here. He was was helping us to get our life prioritized right, proper recognition. We are to love our parents and honor them. We are to love our kids. We're to, we're to be a blessing and to help people. But when we put those things and those gifts that God has put in our life above the one that gave them, we're showing that our heart isn't right with him. And so Jesus, again, in his love, is telling us what it means to him for us to follow him. Not our idea, but his idea. Matthew 19, 28 and 29. So Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Understand something. This statement that Jesus just made here was not to you and me. The statement that Jesus made right here was to the 12 apostles who had left everything, left their homes, left their families, left their businesses, and followed Jesus, and were learning to follow Jesus the way Jesus wanted them to follow him. And in fact, this thing that Jesus said to his disciples was in response to Peter, who who had just witnessed this rich young man who was apparently some kind of a governmental leader or some kind of a politician or something of the days referred to as a rich young ruler. So he, he, was, he had some leadership position. And this rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, Jesus, what good thing do I need to do to, to get to heaven? What good thing do I need to do to have eternal life? And Jesus, again, knowing his heart, said some really weird things because Jesus knows you can't work for your salvation. It's what the scripture teaches us. But anyway, but instead of that, he, he said, he said, well, you know what the commandments say, you know, honor your father and mother, you know, and he quoted some of the 10 commandments and that rich young man said, well, well, Lord, I've done all those things since I was a child. And the, and the scripture says that Jesus loved this guy. He's, he's like, even though he knew he wasn't being totally honest with himself, he loved this guy and, and he said, okay. He said, if you really want to be perfect, because the young man said, what, what yet do I lack? He sensed there was something still that wasn't quite right, that just following all the rules and regulations just wasn't giving him a peace or getting it done in his life. And so he said to Jesus, well, what am I lacking? I've done all these things. And Jesus, knowing his heart, said, well, if you really want to be perfect, then you need to go and sell everything that you have. Give it to the poor and then come and follow me. And at that, the scripture says the young man walked away sad. 
And the reason that Jesus challenged him in this way is the very first commandment above all of those Ten Commandments is, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus knew that even though this young man claimed to have an outward religiosity and thought he was checking all the boxes, Jesus knew his heart and, and he said, okay, if you really want to follow me, then you've got to let go of all this stuff that you're holding on to because you're loving it more than you're loving me. And that's why he said, sell what you have. And notice he said, give it to the poor. Jesus cares about the poor. He wants us to share what we have to help people in need. But then he said that thing, sell all you have, give to the poor, and then follow me. And the young ruler was like, man, I, I'm, I'm going to, I can't follow you because that's going to be on your terms and not my terms. And he walked away sad. So now brings me back to this thing that I just read. Peter just saw this happen, and the other disciples saw it happen. And then Peter looked at Jesus, and he says, well, well Lord, we've left everything to follow you, so, so what about us? And then this is when Jesus says this. He says, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, stop there a second. Jesus absolutely teaches. He taught and he reminds us that the world as we know it now is not going to be the world that will always be. I don't know about you, but in a lot of ways, that's some really good news to me. Because I look at things in the world right now and it is so messed up and I feel so frustrated and out of touch. And I know I'm part of the problem. I'm admitting it. <laughs> I am part of the problem. And there's times when I just think, man, I cannot wait, Lord, when you just make everything new and give everything a, a whole nother shot at this. And God in his wisdom is going to do that, but he wants the people that are part of his coming kingdom and the regeneration to be there because they want to be. And that means he's giving you and I the choice now to make up our mind. Are we going to follow our own way or are we going to follow him? Because he's the one that's setting up the new kingdom. He's the one that's setting up the new government. He's the one that's going to reform everything physically in the universe and in our geography on this earth. We can read about it in the scripture, prophecy after prophecy about this, how God is going to finally set up his kingdom and make all things new. And he's given you and I the chance now to make up our mind. Are we going to be a part of that kingdom or are we going to just hang on to this old kingdom we got? and be lost forever. That's why we talk about being saved when you follow Jesus, because we are being saved from the corruption in this world, and we're be, being saved for good in this world today, but also for a future kingdom. And we're going to be there because we've responded by faith to his love and grace, and we love him in return. Jesus doesn't want any people begrudgingly in his presence in the future. He wants us to be there because we desire it and we've responded to his love. And so this promise he makes to these 12 apostles was specifically for them. This is another thing that I want us to be careful of. When you read the scriptures, there are many promises that apply to you and I and to everyone. But not every promise in the Bible is for everyone. There are some promises that God makes to certain people or people groups for a certain time. And then there are promises that he makes that are general for you and I or for anyone. And we got to be careful because sometimes we read a promise that God made to someone else and we want to claim it for our own. And Jesus is going, that's not following me. 
That's what I said to them. I didn't say that to you. Any of you that's grown up in a family with brothers and sisters, have you ever had a parent promise one of your kids something? And the other kids are like, oh, yeah, me too. Well, no, sorry. That, wasn't, that promise was not for you. I'm promising this for this child right now. So why do we generalize it with God? So we really need to be careful and accurately read the Scripture. I know I'm really driving this point home, but this is a promise that Jesus gave to these 12 disciples saying, I know you're following me, you've left everything, but in the regeneration, when I make everything new and I sit on my throne, you all are going to be on 12 thrones as well, and I'm putting you in charge. You're going to help me rule in this new thing that I'm doing on the earth. And they will rule over uh, Israel. He says, judging the 12 tribes of Israel, God has a plan for the nation of Israel. He always has, and that hasn't changed. And he's also got a change for you and he has a promise for you and I if we put our trust in Christ. And here it comes in verse 29. Now, here's the promise that's for you and I because it says so. And everyone, everyone, who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. You see, following Jesus is difficult, but it's absolutely worth it. And it brings me to kind of the final thing here this morning as far as Jesus' way, following things Jesus' way. Following Jesus is rewarding. There is absolutely, along with the difficulty and the suffering and the denial, there is joy, there is blessing, there is assurance in following Jesus. In John chapter 8, verse 12, then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus' ways are different than the world's ways. That's why he is the light of the world. And so if you want to learn from the teacher who came from God, who is God in the flesh, who gives us guidance of how to live in this corrupt world, to keep our eyes on him and to follow his ways and his direction, we're not going to be walking in that spiritual darkness. Stop listening to what everybody else says they think Jesus said or meant in what he said and start listening to Jesus yourself. Read his written word recorded for you and I today so that you can follow him and not what somebody else says about him. And I know today I'm one of those voices, but I'm telling you, don't just listen to my voice. Listen to the voice of Jesus. Read Christ's word for yourself. And if what I say is lining up with what he says, then that means hopefully I'm in step with him and his spirit and you're hearing his voice through me as a spokesperson in a vessel. But I'm nothing without Christ. And the things that I'm teaching you today is not my opinion. I'm sharing with you today the very words of Jesus. That's why I'm taking the words of Christ recorded in Scripture and letting those speak to us today. Here's some other words that Jesus said in John 10, 27 through 30. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. That's a pretty good reward. That's something that is definitely worth it. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. 
We have assurance when we follow Jesus that he is going to hold on to us. Even, I've said this so often, and there's been many days like this for me, even on the days when I couldn't hold on to him, he held on to me. It's amazing. And even on the days when I know I'm unworthy and I feel unworthy and I question, just like I said, Lord, am I really following you the way you want me to follow you? Or am I just kind of doing it when it's convenient for me? Or I've fallen into this pattern even as a pastor. Am I, am I really truly following you the way you want? He holds us. John 12, 23, but Jesus answering them saying, the hour has come that the son of man should be glorified. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. He who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. Isn't that interesting that Jesus said it in that way? He didn't say, if anyone follows me, they'll become a servant of mine. He's saying, don't say that you're my servant if you're not willing to follow me. If you're just going to do it on your own terms and your own way, then you're fooling yourself. You're not really following me. So if you really want to serve me, you're going to be following me. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. Hmm, where's Jesus? He is at the right hand of the Father. He is in heaven. Following Jesus means that we're going to be where he is, and that's where he wants us to be, which means we have a great reward, a home in heaven forever in his presence if we will choose to follow him on his terms. Where I am, there my servant will be. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. That's pretty cool. So having said all that, just to kind of bring it down now personally for each one of us, those are general things that Jesus teaches, this is what it means to follow me. These are my expectations. But I also want us to understand that Jesus calls you to follow him in a certain way, and you, and you, and you, and I'll point to the camera so people online. Jesus calls each of us to follow him in certain unique ways along with the general way that he wants all of us to follow him. Now, what do I mean by that? Through his Holy Spirit, when you invite Christ into your life and you say, Jesus, yes, I want to follow you. I know I'm not perfect and I I struggle, but please, my heart's desire is I really do want to follow you, so I need your help. That's the kind of prayer that Jesus honors. And when we begin to do that, his Holy Spirit gives us spiritual gifts and abilities things that he wants us specifically to do to help his church to grow and to help spread his gospel, his word uh, in the world. And it's unique for each one of us because we all have different experiences in life. We all have our different cultural and ethical backgrounds and uh, geography and all of those things. We also have the different experiences in life. And then you mix that with the gifts that he gives you. And there are people that you're going to be able to reach, that Christ's Spirit is going to work through you as you follow him. And you're going to be able to reach people that I will never be able to reach. And the other way around. I know God is using me to reach some people in ways that maybe you all will never reach. But it's all good because we're all wanting to follow Jesus. And we're all wanting others to join us in this following so that we can be with him forever. So now, after Christ rose from the dead and he had appeared to his disciples, 
He wanted to remind Peter because in the very beginning, as I started this message today, the first two words, at least that we read this morning, that Jesus spoke to Peter was, follow me. And Peter did that, and Peter followed Jesus, and we read about it in the Scriptures, but we also read where Peter, after a time, got scared, and he got discouraged, and he denied Christ three times. So he looked back. He took his eyes off of Jesus, and he let fear take over. But Jesus never stopped loving Peter, and so Jesus gave Peter the opportunity to turn his eyes back on him, and that's why... At a point in time, we read about it in John chapter 21, where Jesus now has been risen. He's appeared to his disciples off and on over a period of time, and he told them, I want to meet with you in Galilee. So the disciples went there. Peter was with them. Jesus appears on the shoreline while Peter is doing what? He's looking in the rearview mirror. He had his hand to the plow, and he's looking back. What's he doing? He's fishing again. <laughs> He's hanging out. He's doing the only thing he kind of really knew. He's like, I don't know what's going on with Jesus. He's risen again. I've denied him. I've messed up. I'm not sure, you know, where in the world I stand. So he went back to fishing, and, and Jesus comes along on the shoreline, hollers out to them and says, have you caught anything? No. Hey, put your net on the other side of the boat. Mm, that sounds familiar. Where have we heard that before? And they did it, and they caught the fish. Peter dives in the water. He says, it's the Lord, and they, they get to shore, and here's Jesus with a, basically a campfire and some fish already frying, uh, and they bring their catch ashore. And then what Jesus does is he's reinstating Peter, so three different times, you know, Peter denied Jesus three times, three different times, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? And Jesus says in various ways, feed my sheep, tend my lambs, um, you know, feed my sheep. And basically what Jesus was saying is, Peter, if you remember, when I first called you to follow me, I said because of your faith in me that my church would be built on your faith and that I would give you the keys to the kingdom. And I haven't given up on that plan for you. Even though you denied me and you stopped following me for a while, I haven't given up on you. And so I want you to stay true to this calling I've given you. Now, as he's talking to Peter, look at what it says in verse 18, because this is really important, and then I will wrap this up, because this is where the, it really applies to each one of us. Jesus says this to Peter, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted, but when you're old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And then John, who is writing this, in verse 19, gives his own little commentary there. He says, this Jesus said to show by what kind of death Peter was to glorify God. And after saying this, Jesus said to Peter, follow me. Comes full circle. Jesus says, remember what I said in the beginning, Peter? Hadn't changed. It's still going to be rough, and you're going to end up giving your life for me, but I want you to follow me. And then Peter, like you and I, I think, or anyone would do, look at what it says in verse 20. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. By the way, this is how John refers to himself. I think John felt like he was the favorite little disciple, you know. I'm writing this. I'm the one that Jesus loved. <laughs> Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. So again, John's writing this in the third person, but it's about himself. The one who had been reclining at the table close to him and said, Lord, who is it that's going to betray you? 
Verse 21, when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, well, Lord, what about this man? Well, what about him? I've got to suffer and, and die to follow you. Well, what about him? What's he going to do? And Jesus said to him, if it's my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. If that doesn't speak to you and I today, I don't know what does. Because I don't know about you, I've been guilty of this. I'd be like, Lord, I'm trying to follow you and I'm going through these difficulties in these tough times and I look at so-and-so over there and they're following you and, well, they've got a good job and they've got, their family's all in church and, man, everything's great in their life. Why is my life kind of stinky right now? What about him? And don't we all do that at times? And Jesus says, hey, if I want that person to, to have a good time and be, you know, it's all good, what is that to you? You follow me because I've got a unique thing that I've called you to do and a ministry to do, and I want you to be faithful to it, and you stop worrying about how everybody else is following me, and you just follow me. I think Christ is saying that to every single one of us, and that's why this account is in the Bible. So in the same way that Jesus had a unique assignment for Peter and for John and for the 12 apostles, he's got a unique assignment for you and I. And what I hope to do over the next few Sundays during this month of February is we're going to look in the New Testament at some people that maybe you're, the names are not too familiar to you. They're not the names of John and Paul and all of these. They are names that are little known, and yet each one of them was following Jesus in the way that Jesus had called and gifted them to follow him, and they made a huge impact for the kingdom of God. And I'm saying this to encourage you. Stop looking at other people and saying, I could never follow you like that person's doing, Lord. Yes, you can. Simply hear his voice and have a willing heart. Be willing to reprioritize um, those things in your life. Be willing to sacrifice. Be willing to take those steps. It will be difficult, but it is absolutely worth it, and there is a huge reward. Now, here's the, the last little point to this, anticlimactic. But did you hear what Jesus said? Jesus said, well, if I want John to live until I return, what is that to you? You follow me. And look at what it says in verse 23. I don't have it on the screen. But isn't this so much like church life? And isn't this so much like human nature and social media? So, the saying spread abroad among the brothers that this disciple was not to die. <laughs> Yet Jesus did not say to him that he was not to die, but if it's my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? I love this because this is a little zinger that the Holy Spirit's put in here to say, in the church, stop listening to rumors. Stop misunderstanding what Jesus says. Check out what Jesus said for yourself. Listen to his words and apply it to your life. Because just because Jesus was using John as an example to make a point that everybody's like, oh, did you hear Jesus? He said John wasn't going to die. Isn't that amazing? What about him? And the rumors spread through the early church, and it was false. 
So today, it's a lesson for you and I. We've got to be careful of rumors and things we hear and things that people say, well, Jesus said this. Well, yeah, he said that, but he also said this. You better be reading the Word of God and listening to what Jesus says yourself so that you can accurately interpret what he really said and not just what someone else thought he said. So, how are you following Jesus? Just think again real quickly about the nuances. It means to accompany, to go along with, or to move behind. Have you received Christ's Spirit in your life? And are you seeking to walk in step with His Spirit in your life? It means to come after in sequence of time or order. So are you serving Him by doing His will in this generation? Because we have come in sequence of time and order after Christ and the time He was here and the generations before us. Are we willing to follow him in this generation. It means to be in accordance with, to follow a way of life. Are you willing to yield your mind and your will to the leading of his spirit? To pursue in an effort to attain, to, to follow after knowledge, in other words, are you learning from his teaching and his word? Are you studying his word? And then the really important thing, are you following the directions? Are you actually obeying and putting into practice in your life what Jesus says? Are you imitating the example of Christ? Are you watching steadily, keeping your eye on Christ and not getting distracted from the process that you're going through? Are you keeping your mind on Christ, giving your attention to Him and His teaching and instruction, just like hopefully you followed this message today? And are you understanding the sense or the logic of it? Would you stand? And let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for us. And thank you for the invitation that you give us to follow you. I thank you, Lord, that you don't force us. And that's why you give us that invitation. You say, follow me. And Lord, I'm sorry because I know there's been times in my life when I've I feel like I followed you your way and then I feel like there's times in my life when I kind of been following you my way and I just want to stay open to following you in the way that you want. And, and Lord, I pray this for each one of us who claim to be your followers. Help us to think about this and help us to keep being willing to move and grow and change and all of those things that you want us to do. Because, Lord, I know that we can't follow you and stay where we are, spiritually speaking, maturity speaking, all those things. So help us to keep growing. Thank you for your great patience with us. Thank you for the patience that you've shown us that you gave to Peter. And thank you that I know that same patience is there for each of us if we'll truly have a heart that is willing to hear your call and to follow you the way you want us to. And we can't do it without you, Lord. So I pray for your Holy Spirit to fill and direct us now. And if there's any listening to this message today who hasn't yet made that decision to trust you and to follow you with their life, I pray today they've heard that simple phrase from you speaking directly to them, follow me. And by faith they'll do it. In your precious name, amen.